And we who have a Bible shall remain. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're understanding the family dynamic. It's still important we talk about this family because this is what God has been speaking to us about, the family. And if we don't pay attention, we don't hear, then we're going to get into all kinds of problems. Hello? If we don't pay attention. So we need to hear what God's saying to us. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, I read this scripture to you last week. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built to become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. You can see there's, there is movement, there's growth in that whole scripture. But last week, we began to talk about this family dynamic more so, and I raised the issue describing, in order to say, to describe the nature of our family. The nature of our family, the dream center, is a family. Yes? And we have to describe the nature of our family, because if we don't know the nature of our family, we're going to have the wrong expectations. And we're going to put the wrong demands on each other because we don't know the nature of our family. Every family has a nature. Yeah? Throughout Britain, throughout the world, every family has a nature. That's where you get troubled areas. Why? Because you've got families with troubled natures. You get peaceful areas. Why? Because you've got family with peaceful natures. And as you go around the, the, the country and as you go around the world, you can see different areas are a typical highlight of the natures that's in those areas. That lives in that area. And though it sounds strange that, you know, that there's no foreigners and no aliens in our church, when you look around, right, in the, in, in the natural sense, we have Ghanaian, we have British, we have Nigerian, Zambian, Zimbabwe, Malawi, Congolese, and Australian, and probably more. So if I forgot your nation, it's not by uh, intention. But we are... No longer foreigners are aliens. So we don't have any foreigners in our church. And we don't have any aliens. And he's talking about aliens, he's not talking about the UFO kind. Now, so in the natural, we can see different cultures in our house. But in the spirit, they are not foreigners and we're not foreigners to each other. We're not aliens to each other. And that is an issue that has become a very, very sensitive issue around the world in churches. Because you get in America, and I'll use America because I know of America, and I'm sure it's the same all around the world. But in America, you have Hispanic churches. You have Af uh, black um, Afro-American churches. That's what they call them. I think it's a bad term myself. I just think you just have people. And then you have what they call the white church, and then you have the redneck church. What they call the faith church. And you have all these different categories of people and you've got disunity in the city. The Hispanics can't get on with the, the, you know, the, the, the blacks. The blacks can't get on with the whites. The whites can't get on with anyone. So you've got this massive division in a city. How can God work in a city where there's racial division in the church? Why don't they read this verse? Why can't they read this verse? You are no longer foreigners or aliens. 
Why does culture supersede kingdom? Come on. Why does culture have to supersede kingdom? Why does a man's color make any difference? You have to be rather intelligent in today's world to see it like that. You reduce man down to his default, default setting and his, his racial, his prejudice, preju- is it prejudicial? That's right. Yeah. It's prejudicial. He'll use every reason why he's better than you. So God is telling us that you must define the nature of your family. Because in my family, naturally speaking, I have overseas relatives. Man and Shirley's family. We have overseas people married into our family. So do we so see them as overseas or do we call them relatives? The relatives. Or you can say they're ethnic relatives. No, the relatives. It all, all depends how you see it is what you then label them as. And that's what you, then they have to live up to your expectation. But God's very clear. He tells us what he sees and what he knows and what it is. Amen? So, we must not define our household as a household full of foreigners. That's not the nature of our house. We're not aliens. We're not foreigners. We're citizens. We're citizens of God's kingdom. Amen? Fellow citizens with God, God's people, and members of God's household. We're joined together, built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So if I look at different cultures, I see the same spirit. I should see the same spirit. I should see the same formation of Christ being built in my overseas, naturally speaking now, uh, brothers and sisters. I should see the same thing. That's what causes me to say, this is my family. If all I see is a foreigner or an alien, then I never get to brotherhood. I never get to brotherhood. I never appreciate. We're never citizens of the same household. And believe me, church, believe me, if we can have this household, we are a church with a difference. Believe me. That is a God-honest truth. Because if I, if, if I push you and you push me, somewhere there's some kind of division in us. And God's got to root it out. God's building a household, a family. So whenever God wants to work, or when God wants a work to be done on earth, he searches through the nations. How many of you know that? He searches through the nations, and from a nation, he finds tribes and he finds clans. But more so, when he looks through a tribe and a clan, he looks for a household. He looks for a household. So if when you look at the Clan McIgginson, there's no such thing as the Clan McIgginson, only if you go to York and they sell it to make money. But this, the name Higginson is not Scottish. But if you look at the household of, or the, the, the tribe of Higginson scattered wherever we, we will be across the earth, wherever we are, God sees the, the, the clan or the tribe of Higginson and then looks for a household out of that. And out of that household, he found me in Shirley. Or as we say in Manchester, he found me and our kid. Our kid. And he found a household who had no spiritual parents. But out of a household, 
he found two young kids who had a heart for the things of God. Out of a household. Your parents may not be saved, but God still searches the household. David came out of a household, but not all his household had the same destiny than he did. Same as Joseph. And you can go through the Bible. So God looks for a household. Out of a tribe came a household. And out of a household came individuals. And out of an individual comes work. God looks for a work to be done on the earth. He searches the nations for households. So when he finds a household, he then finds an individual or he finds individuals who will then begin, he can give them a work, a task, responsibility to begin to join in in what God's doing in the nations. Amen? So in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13, if you'd like to go there, we see, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall and exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Now, let me just back up a minute. Therefore, I stone, uh, sorry, therefore I stationed some of the people. Nehemiah 4.13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people. That's a random class of people. Yes? I stationed some of the people. Some is not descriptive. Yeah? Behind the lowest points of the wall, and I exposed them, posting them by their families. Now, families is a little bit more specific. Because a family always carries a name. Now, with their swords, spears, and bows, families are God's instrument and his fellow workers. God, sorry, families are God's instrument. They're his fellow workers and partners and co-laborers. You must see that your household is what God's always been looking for. Your household. Your household. Because in your household are treasures. Ooh. In your household. So, It's so important that we can get a parent who can open up that portal. How much more opportunity or how much more of a selection process does God have if we can get mum and dad saved? Because hopefully we can then raise the kids in the same way. But God's not limited by mum and dad not being Christians. Because Shirley and I prove that fact. My mum, our parents, we had no knowledge of our parents ever wanting to serve God. They came to faith after we came to faith. So God knew what he was doing. So God's not limited, but how much easier would it be and how much would the selection process increase if mum and dad could get saved first and live on point? I don't just mean come to church and read every day with Jesus. Your kids need to see you going through some stuff and coming out of some stuff. Kids need to see that because that's why that's what's going to hold them in the days ahead. Yeah? So when, it came, to, when it, it came to the project of building the walls in Jerusalem, you had a wide range of people, each representing families and districts. You had 11... Now, when you read Nehemiah, listen to this. When you read Nehemiah, you have 11 different classes of people that came out of family households that came to join the building of the wall. Yeah? None of them were builders. 
None of them owned B&Qs. None of them owned their own businesses in terms of building. But they were all trained in other areas of life. But they all came out of a household. And this is what you see from, from when you look at Nehemiah. You see that it takes a task or a need. Let's use the word need. It often takes a need in life for you to discover what's inside of you. It takes a need. It can be somebody else's need. It can be your need. And out of that need, when you have no money sometimes, or you have no resources, you then put your hand to the plow and you discover actually what God has already put inside of you. Need is a great way for helping you. Not, and helping other people. But need is a great way for God to reveal what he's put inside of you. So when you're surrounded with need, stop panicking. Because if you can resource every need, that's easy. But if you can discover or allow the need to help you see what's inside of you and those around you, how much more resourceful can you be? Come on, think about it. Now, we have a need for discipleship. But do you think I'm going to do it? That's what you all think. That's what you all think, I'm going to do it. I like the fact that you're, you think that. But that's not going to be the case. That's not going to be the case. Just because God gives us a vision to do something, doesn't mean to say he gave it you to do, meaning me. No, because God speaks to a household. And if you live in this house, there's responsibilities. Yes? You know, again, we've gone down this road before. Teenagers don't think in terms of responsibility. But after a while, you say, son, you're living here. Food does not supply itself. Yeah? Washing machine doesn't just run itself. Electricity, electricity doesn't pay the bill on its own. Why? Contribution, son. It's the same in God's house. In God's household, there is responsibilities and there are duties. Yeah? So, let me just describe to you these, these 11. There was high priest and fellow priests who helped build the sheep gate. Then there was son. There, was a, there were sons stroke individual. And there were sons, brothers and sisters. Came out, you know, there were sons, sons of this household. But then there was individuals. It was a son, so he had son and sons. You have goldsmiths, you have perfumers, you have rulers of districts, you have residents of Zenoa, you have countrymen, you have temple servants, and you have merchants. Did you hear any builders in there? Did you hear any builders? No, we, we, we heard... There was someone selling perfume, goldsmith, merchants, high priest, low priest, fellow priest. There was residents, there was countrymen, and there was temple servants. There wasn't any builders, but yet the task was to go and build the wall. So why would you sell someone, why would you send someone who's a perfumer to go and build a wall? Hello? God knows out of the need... They discovered their talents. Hello? 
Come on, see this. So when God starts asking you to do something, stop moaning and thinking you don't have what it takes. God knows exactly what you have inside or he wouldn't ask you. God's not Pharaoh. Now, throughout the Dream Center, they... Oh, excuse me. I've got to pull my pants up. Through the Dream Center, they are, there are exceptional people. Yeah, he's talking about you, my kid. Throughout the Dream Center, there are exceptional people with exceptional grace. There are exceptional people with graciousness. There are people with love. There are people with talents. But do you know who they are? No, not us. That's too broad. I said, I asked the question first, do you know who they are? That's, that's, all, that's all you can answer, David. Don't tell them the answer. Let them work it out for themselves. <laughs> Seriously, let me ask you the question again. Do you know who they are? We've all said, yes, you all. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 I see that. <laughs> who do you see when you answered that question? Us is not, us is not us. Us is not David. That's, us is too, it's undefined. Do you know who they are? Now, when I, let's try another illustration here. When Shirley and I walked into our house, there was two adults in our house. Who do you think they were? Hopefully parents. Come on. It's not, this is not hard. Answer the question if you can, please. Who do you think the, the grown-ups were in the house? Right. Was it? Why? Because we defined who they were. Now, if the woman next door was in our house, I knew she was the woman from next door. Why? Because I know that she's not my parent. She'd be my auntie back in those days. Because everybody who wasn't your mother was your auntie. You had more aunties than anything else. The only, listen, the only real answer you, you can ever define is the one that buys you a present. Now she's auntie if she buys you a present. Come on. We must be able to define who's who in the zoo. We must know where, we must know where the monkeys and the lions and the, ze- the zebras and the elephants are and the llamas and anything else you, you got in your zoo. You must know who's who in the household so you can appreciate them. Now, I'll say that again. In this house, we have exceptional people. Now, you all want to be called an exceptional person. I get that. You all want to be considered to be a person full of grace. And you want to be a person considered to be gracious and full of love and, and have got highly skillful talents. And you all say, yes, yes, that's us. That's us. But who is the us? We must define who the us are. I need to know as a pastor, you need to know as an individual. Hello? Throughout scripture, we read of certain households, of people within these households lay uniquenesses. 
People with outstanding qualities. Yeah? And some of these people, uh, Scripture highlights for us so that we can glean. Why do you think Scripture has to record these people? Think about it. Because Paul needs to know who the family is. If you're going to create a work and you're going, to, you're going to build an assignment, create a vision and labor, you must define who the family are. You must define who the family are. So scripture highlights these people for our benefit. And I want to introduce you to some of these people this morning. Who these guys are behind the scene. Now I love going to I love going and doing football stadium tours. I've done quite a few. In fact, when I was in Australia and I had a couple of hours to kill, I got off the plane. They wouldn't give me my hotel until one o'clock. So at nine o'clock in the morning, I've got time to kill. And I've just had an all-night flight. Cheers. So I decided and I started walking down the riverbank, and there to my left was the MCG, the cricket ground, famous. So I'm walk, I thought, I'll just walk around it. And then I saw a door open. So I thought, I'll go and inquire what's going on. So I inquire what's going on. They say, oh, we're doing the tour. The tour, I'm in. I can kill some time, but I can go behind the scenes now and see what goes on. Now, I don't like cricket. And I don't like Aussie rules. But I'm in the MCG. One day they might see the light and play football there. But if not, it doesn't matter. But the issue is, I, I love going behind the scenes. So this morning, I want to take you behind the scenes, and I want to show you what goes on in the place changing room of this family, these households that Paul takes great time to talk about and highlight for us, because these are qualities he needed in his life. Amen? So you ready for them? So if you've got your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 16. And I'll take you through them. Don't race ahead. Let me take you through them. Romans 16, verse 3. The first verse we see in verse 3 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers, in Christ Jesus. The rest of the life for me, not only I, but the, all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Now, Priscilla and Aquila. He mentions the woman's name first, Priscilla, and then he mentions Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila were the type of household that every church needs. Do you know that? Why? Why are they the kind of household that every church needs? It's because they're able to take people like Apollos. who was a good teacher, an educated teacher, a good man in God, but, but he was not educated in a certain area, just like many of us are. And yet Priscilla and Aquila were able, through their grace and through their gift, was able to take Apollos to one side, and here's the word, and explain things more adequately. So in every household, 
How many times do you get involved in an argument with your kids, right? And either dad shoots off first, right? And then blows the whole scene up. And mum says, Jimmy, leave him. I'll talk to him. Mum comes in. She calms the whole thing down. She says, your dad didn't mean what he said. Dad did. Dad flipping well did, and he knows it, right? But mum now comes and calms the whole scene down, and she explains what dad couldn't say, didn't say, but should have said. Yes? She's the woman who comes on the scene, and she now acts as a bridge between father and son. And in many other cases, it's the other way around. Mum scream goes off the handle, and dad has to sit down. But our kids must have Priscilla's and Aquila's in their life. Hello? Now, someday, Priscilla is a lot smarter than Aquila. And other days, the roles change. Sometimes I get the look, you better have a word with them. Other times I say, you need to have a word with her. Yeah? And it's not always male to male or female to female. It's whoever's got what the, the, the moment needs. Now, in the household of God, there needs to be families in this household who can explain things more adequately. Because when I say things from the front, or when Phil says things from the front, it's you, the, 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 the wiser families, the, the, the good-natured families, who can help other families understand what we were trying to say. Yes? Now, that doesn't mean to say, you say what we were saying was wrong. But you try and pick up what we're saying and you find a different way to help others come into the same understanding. Priscilla and Quilla did not say to Apollos about Paul, ignore what Paul says, this is what he really meant. No, he picked up what they knew exactly what Paul was trying to say, right, and what God was doing. But yet they took Apollos and they furthered what Paul was trying to do. They weren't cutting across him. That's one that's, that's the kind of person we need in this household. People who can take what I'm saying and take it and help others who may be struggling in that area to finally understand because that's called team. You know, when dad says something to his son and son finally gets it, dad doesn't walk around saying, see, I was better than you, mum. Because mum and dad work as a team. They say, yeah, he's got it now, good. Yeah, because you're only... You're only uh, emphasis as the family is to bring wisdom and to see your kids grow. Mum and dad, dad doesn't get the credit over mum or mum doesn't get the credit over dad. They just work as a team. And it's the same in the household of God. It doesn't matter who finally brings the ball home. Yeah, or gets the ball over the line. The truth is, I'm saying a lot of stuff what my forefathers said. And I'm making it maybe a little bit more understandable to, to you. And it will, it will take many, many people to keep saying things. So we all understand. Yes? We can achieve anything if we're willing to share the, the credit. Yeah? But here's the quality. Not only were they a couple who could explain things more adequately in this household. Listen to what he said. They risked their lives. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, 
but all the churches and the Gentiles are grateful to them. Wow. This was no ordinary household. This couple were on the front lines of the battlefield. Now, I know in those early days when, when the wolves were in the house and people were slandering us and all those kind of things, some of you defended me. Some of you didn't. It's okay. Maybe you've come to your senses now. Maybe you've come to see that, actually, I might have been a little bit too harsh or I may have misjudged him in that area. Maybe, maybe you were right. doesn't matter now. doesn't matter. The point is, is I still kept on leading. I kept on leading. I was not deterred outwardly by some of those things. Inwardly, I was, without a shadow of a doubt. But I kept on leading. Why? Because that's what I was graced to do. And some of us kept, listen, I was in the same boat with my pastor. Boy, did I throw stones at him. But then I caught up with him. And it caught up with me. And then God cleared the decks, and then that's why I'm here today. It's okay. But thank God Priscilla and Aquilas are in the house. We need them, but do you know who they are? We can't talk about them as if they're some vague people. We need to know who they are in the house. Do we have any Priscilla and Aquilas? Is the question. And if so, do other people, would other people recognize you as one? They risk their lives. Who are you willing to risk your life for? Who are you willing to take a bullet for? What have you ever took a bullet for? That's, that's one of the, the attributes of being in the household of God. Being part of this family. If I'm part of this family, I need to take a bullet from time to time. I'm not, I don't want to, by the way. But if I'm really... If I, if I see... People as my family, right? If I can see, identify, this is a family member. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I take a bullet for them? It's my family. You're going quiet on me. So, let me take you to another fellow who's part of our family. You may never even heard of his name, but let me introduce you to Ephenetus. In verse, uh, as you come down from three to, to five, his name's there, Ephenetus. You never forget, you never forget. Here's what he says about Ephenetus. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Ephenetus who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. You never forget your first fruits. You know, when I first, when we first started to pioneer a work in Openshaw, guess who were the first fruits were? Richard and Greta. They were the first to come through. You never forget the first fruits. Why? Because it's the first fruits that convince you you heard God. Hello? Your first fruits are so, so, so important. Why? Because, you know, it gives, the first fruits don't have rights because they were the first there, you know. Scott doesn't have any more rights in my household because he was the firstborn. That was Old Testament. In our house, we play by 
the family, the Lord of the family. Yes? Now, Scott might be older and might know a little bit more than the others, and the others might treat, look to him differently, but in Carol and, mine and Carol's eyes, they all, all our kids get treated the same. Yeah? They all get treated the same. So, but your first fruits, Scott was our first fruit. Scott was, God, Scott was a godsend. Easiest baby you'll ever produce. And then it kind of got more intense after that. And like I've said, if Scott would have been my, if Ben would have been my first, it would have been my last. But the point is, and I'm sure you've had kids like that, but the point, the point I'm making is your first fruits, you never forget them. You never forget your first, your first girlfriend. I know who she is. I know who she is. You never forget those kind of things. The first kiss you ever had. It wasn't my mother. You never forget your first fruits. And you shouldn't forget your first fruits. And this guy was the first convert mentioned. Whether I'm pronouncing his name right is immaterial. But then let's go down. And we've got one in our midst. Romans 16 verse 6. Greet Mary. Who worked very hard for you. Who worked very hard for you. For you, there are Mary. That's all we know she was. Just Mary was in the church, and we knew her character was she worked very hard for you. Didn't give a second name, didn't need to know where she lived. All we needed to know is that there was Mary in this household, and she worked hard for the interest of other people. Do we have those? Do we have Marys in our house? Are the Marys in this household? Now, Mary doesn't have to be a female. Now, we know we've got a Mary. We know we've got a Mary. And I think there's a lot of qualities in this Mary that I see in this woman. She works hard. She works hard for us. She labors for the word for us. Right? But the, the issue is, I know who our Mary is. And we ain't hailing our Marys. But I know who our Mary is because I know her naturally. But do you know who the Marys are in our house? Do you know those who are working hard for you? Or let me flip that on the other side. Why aren't you working hard for others? No hail Marys. So we see Priscilla and Aquila, Ephenetus, Mary. Let me take you to another Andronicus and Junius. In verse 7, greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives. So now we get an insight to Paul's family. Oh, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding amongst the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. So it's like me saying... To our Shirley, our Shirley was a Christian before me. She wasn't a good one, I was a better one than her, but there you go. But our Shirley was a Christian before me. We don't know if we had any other people in our family or relatives, but at that point, Andy's, and, and was you, you were married at that time, weren't you? Yeah. So Andy's my relative at that time. He's in the family. And Here's Paul giving us an insight into his own family, his background of his own family. But listen to what he says. They have been in prison 
with me. You can't guarantee your family will stick with you. It's a God-given thing when your family will stick with you. I tell you. It's a God-given thing. It's a God-given grace for your family to be with you in the natural, but also in the work of God. Because there was a time when we went to a church, they left, I left, and we both, we both went different ways. They, took me, they brought me to Christ. I was instrumental at bringing them two back to here. The church I didn't want to come to. So they brought me to Christ. I brought them to Bethel at the time. Shirley came first, and then Andy came second, because Andy was more reprobate, but Andy was dark and backslidden and all that kind of stuff. But no, he had to find his way like us all. And Shirley came, and because one was consistent, Andy then crossed over. The relatives are a God-given grace. Now, if you've got family in this church, and they are with you, willing to go to prison with you, spiritually speaking, physically speaking, if you have to, right? If you've got people who are willing to go to that level, you better know that God's given you something. You better know. I've been very, very fortunate and blessed that this family has stuck with me. It's not easy for the little brother to become the big brother, or not the big brother, the, the pastor. And for Shirley and Andy to cross and make that transition for them now to see me as pastor. When I was always a little kid. The spoiled brat, she called me. Right? It's not easy. But God has to give us the grace. For your whole family. Now you look, because they made that journey. Look at their family. It really is a grace that God gives you. And I've seen it as one of the the uniquenesses that God gives to a household, his family members, relatives. So that's why you need to pray and go and fight for your family and bring them into the house. Because we need our relatives at the side of us. Hello? And you think, well, if you knew my relatives, I don't need to know your relatives. You need to go and pray for them. You need to go and fight for them in the spirit. Why? Because you need them. Well, you don't know. I'm not talking about the, the unrepentant relative. I'm talking about the new nature. So they have been with me. In other words, Paul was saying, these guys have tasted the same conflict. They've tasted the battle. But here's the thing I like, and this is the only time I hear Paul say it, outstanding amongst the apostles. Listen to the quality that he said this family is. They're outstanding. So these are apostles. These are apostolic. But we never, we never heard of these two. But here we are. These are apostolic people. They're outstanding amongst the apostles. So what a quality we see is that there's an apostolic family within a family. Every household needs outstanding people amongst other brothers. He didn't say they were better. He said they were just outstanding. Let me tell you, let me introduce you to another guy you may never have heard of. Amphilatus. In Romans 16, 8. Greet Amphilatus, whom I love in the Lord. Now he's expressing his emotions. Now let me ask you a question. Seriously, earnestly, 
Who do you love in the Lord? Who do you personally love in the Lord, in the church? Who do you personally love? It's a very serious question, isn't it? It's a, because who I love in the Lord will cause me then to show affection, to show, to demonstrate that if I love someone, it's not so, oh, such and such a body, I love, I love that couple, but you never do anything to show them. Do they know you love them? It's not enough. It's not enough for you to say, oh, I'm really happy it was pastor's birthday. Yeah, 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 I really loved him. Send me a card, let me know. Put some money in it, you know, but... No, no, seriously. It's not you saying it's nice. Don't put it on Facebook. It always annoys me on Facebook when he says, I just want to say this to my husband. Don't tell me on Facebook. Tell him he's there. They put it on Facebook like they're telling the world, yeah? Tell the guy you're writing about. Oh, I just want to tell her she's fantastic. She's there. Tell her. Honey, you're fantastic. Can I tell the world? She says, yes, tell the world. But tell them. Don't tell me how awesome I am on Facebook. You don't need oh, how bad I am on Facebook. <laughs> tell me. Do it on Facebook, not Facebook. So I'm Philatus. So who would you love who do you love? If you're writing a letter to this household, who would you say greet? Who would you say love? Who would you say remember me to? Come on. These are, this is a very, very prophetic, apostolic, pastoral household. There's all kind of dimensions going on in this household. People, it's a small group of people who did an amazing amount of work. And Paul remembers them. And he puts them in scripture for us. And you and I will probably over the years just gloss over this scripture and read past them because the names are too long. If it's not Ben, Jen, you know, David or Joy or whatever the name is, you know, small names. We don't do well with big names. And certainly Greek and Latin and whatever it is. So we just skip over these people and we miss the qualities of them. Yeah? Amphilatus. Greet Amphilatus, whom I love in the Lord. Who would you say you love? Let me introduce you to another guy, uh, other guys in verse 9. Urbanus and Stacky. I like that word, Stacky. Hey, Stacky! <laughs> Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend, Stacky. Stachys. Yeah? You know, the best friends you should have in life, the best friends that you and I should have in life should be the fellow workers. They should be fellow workers. Now, I know when we grow up in life, we grow up and we come to Christ through different many ways and we, we grew up with people and they were good friends and you keep good friends. A good friend is still a good friend. Yes? And you think, well, that's my best friend. And, you know, I'm, great, I'm grateful that my best friend actually wants the same things I want. Yeah? I don't think, I mean, his brother was instrumental, just like Carol's brother, in bringing me to faith. But his brother's not my best friend. But his brother was my best friend until I met him. Seriously. Me and his brother were best friends. 
And it wasn't until his brother went back to his house one day and his little kid's running around with a blanket in his mouth. He's still little now, but, you know, no blanket no more. Blanket's gone. And, uh, but I got to know him, and from there, we developed a friendship, a relationship, and then God always destined that me and Phil would be together in the same journey. I'll quote, get that in there. He's not my partner. This is my partner. But, and his family and my family are tight. Not tight as in tight, skin. Well, his might be, mine's all right. But. No, but we're, we're close. And you can see that he's a brother to me and I'm a brother to him. Again, another grace for him to, to follow my leadership. It's another grace. Because he's just as graced in his own life. In fact, the older he gets, the more graceful, the more gra- uh, gracefulness he, he becomes and more grace is upon his life. He's, he's exploding in other areas. But that's, God's put us together. You can't separate us. Many have tried. But he's going in the grave before me. Because <laughs> I can't live without him. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to go together, yeah. Who's he going to moan at? Who's he going to moan at if I go first? Hey? You know what's going to happen? It's going to be you lot. He's going to moan at. And then he's going to moan. Why did he have to go before me? He's going to start moaning about me dying early. But no, he can't go before me, fella. So, Urbanus and Stacky, two, two great names. Your best friends are the people that you can Listen to your situation. They share your troubles. They can chatter. But guess what? If your best friend, if your best friend is just someone who chatters and listens to you and is a party animal, that's not a fellow worker. That's not a fellow worker. Now, your best friend might be great, might be funny, and that's great, but you need some good friends in God. Nothing wrong with a friend who can chat and, and, and likes a, you know, a bit of a, a, you know, a party now. And that's not, nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying that can't be your best friend in God. If you're going to be a fellow worker, you need fellow workers. Yes? Now, let me give you a word of advice here. Your wife or your husband is your first best friend. Right? That's your first best friend. So I've got my first best friend. So we've developed that. But I've known Phil probably longer than I've known Carol. I know. I was the other way around. Right? I've known you longer. Right? So Carol's, Carol's the one I, did, I said covenant with. So she's my best friend. He is my best friend and aid. Yes? In the work. And others are coming into that circle more and more all the time. Right? So you don't only have one good friend. You can have many, but very often in life you don't have many best friends. But you must have your wife or your husband. They must be, they must be, they must be your best. The bestest, bestest friend. So, let me, let me introduce you to another two. Aphelas and Aristobulus. I'm doing well here, aren't I? Aphelas and Aristobulus. Romans 16.10. Greet Aphelas, tested and approved in Christ Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Aristobulus, or Stobulus, whatever way you say it. 
But notice what he just said. What did we just say then? Who was tested and approved. Every household needs to have tested and approved family members. Do you know who your household is in this house? Do you know those who have been tested and approved? Do you know those who are outstanding? Do you know those who work hard for you? Do you know those? Do you know the ones that you love? I suggest if none of this is going on inside of you, you've not yet made the journey to feel part of the household. Because God has to do something in our hearts. And if we've been in this household many years and we don't feel none of this, something's missing. Because it's, you know what our kids do when they live in a house and they don't feel part of it, they leave. And we must define the household of God. Wherever we go, we must find a household. Wherever we go. There must be some of these ingredients going on inside of us. Tested and approved. Wow. We should get t-shirts. DC members tested and approved. DC members tested and approved. If you're not tested, you can't be approved. And you can only be approved because you've been tested. Yeah? Tested and approved. Let me, as we're coming to the, the end, let me just introduce you to another guy. Romans 16, 11, Herodian. Greet Herodian, my relative, another relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus. Narcissus. It's good you've got my own teeth, isn't it? Narcissus, who are in the Lord. So we see Herodian and Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet them, my relative, and another family member. So we've not only got the Duffields, we have other family members, other relatives now. You can say, she's me, she's me, she's me auntie, she's me relative. You know, uh, Z was telling me the other day, Africans have more aunties than anything else. I said, Z, it's not just in Africa. I said, England was the same. Everyone who wasn't your mother was your auntie. He said, really? Yeah. He said, I'm going to see my auntie this morning. He said, but this one really is my auntie. All the others are, are aunties, but this one's really my auntie. I said, well, send her our greetings. Right? But the point is, is it's not only <laughs> Africa that has aunties. We have aunties. I was raised by loads of aunties. In fact, our aunties could smack you down the ear hole. Can your aunties do that? Hey, that's an auntie. Tested and approved. It's true. An auntie must be able to Auntie's not someone who's against you, albeit sometimes you felt like it. So Herodian and my relative greet those in the household of Narcissus. I know I'm saying that right. I know I'm not, but that's what he's coming out of my mouth. Got a few more brothers yet. Just hang on. Go to Romans 16, verse 12. Tryphena, Trophosa, and Persis. Trophina, Trophosa, and Persis. Greek Trophina and Trophosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greek, my dear friend Persis, or another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. These women are now commended. The sad thing is, why is it it seems to be the women? 
who were the hard workers. It's amazing. More and more, you find more of those people involved in church life are the women. Now, I don't know they're trying to get away from their husbands. But it's, it's an indictment upon the men. Men must become the leaders so that your wife and your husband are working together. That's obviously if your partner's saved. Thank God there's always been hard-working women. Thank God there's always Marys. Thank God there is Trefina, Trefosa, and Persis. Thank God. Let me give you another one. Rufus and his mother. Verse 13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Now, someone, now Paul's acknowledging, an apostolic man is acknowledging she's been like a mother to me. She's been like a mother to me. He didn't say she was his mother. She said she's been like a mother. Someone who's been able to attend to the apostle. Someone who's seen the needs, anticipated the needs. Someone who's seen the work he's involved in and thought, I'm going to help him with what I can do, with who I am. I'm going to help the man of God the best way I can, in the best way I can. And Paul commends her. She's been like a mother to me. Now, only Paul knows what that means. Only Paul knows what that means. And I'm, and I'm sure she didn't, he didn't list all the things. She, didn't have, you know, she wasn't mentioned above all these other people. What she did, she did it in private. But now when it comes for her to be remembered, Paul has, recommend, has remembered her and said, greet her. If I'm writing a letter to the Dream Center, who am I writing it to? It's a lot more effective and a lot more powerful my letter if I can direct my letter to people rather than just say, oh, just greet the church. Who's the church? So Paul goes behind the scenes to tell us who these people are and for all the things they've done. These people are commended. Give you another one. Asyncritus. Asyncritus. Phlegon. Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers, Romans 16, verse 14. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, or Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers with them. Greet them. Why? All those names is remembered. He could have turned and said, what's that guy called? What's, he, what's that guy? You know, he hangs around with, uh, what's he called? Uh, he hangs around with uh, Petrobus. Ah, oh, you mean Petrinus and... And the waves. <laughs> Asyncritus. <laughs> Do you mean, uh, no, he remembers them all. Why? Paul carried them all in his heart. He didn't have Google. He didn't have a phone. Timothy, what's the name of that woman in the church? What's the name of that fella who come on a Sunday morning? Who come on a Sunday morning? What a sad indictment. What's the name of that couple who come on a Sunday morning who come to our church? Who come to our church? Listen to the language that most pastors will say. Why? Because some people have not yet made it into the household. So the only way you can say it is that couple who come on a Sunday morning. They're a bit weird. <laughs> Who's that couple who come? Strange. <coughs> no. He says, I want you to remember Asyncritus, Phlegon. What a name, Phlegon. Hermes. That was a, that was a ship, wasn't it? 
Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers. How many more brothers were there? I don't know. But he says, I want you to greet with them. Let me give you another one. And we're coming to the end. <laughs> I've done well so far. Here's one. Here's one for you, Phil. Philogus. Philol, philo, I said this right the other day. Philol, Philogus. Philogus, that's it. Philogus. Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and the Olympus, and all the saints. Wow. Greet them. Greet them. Greet them. Why? Because they're dear to me. It would have been, it would have been easy just to say, just greet the saints. But, Philogus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints, greet Philogus and the guys. Why? Because I want them to know that I remember them. You're not just a person. You're not just a name. You're not just a face. You're part of the household. Now, if you're part of the household and you were writing a letter, who would you remember? Do you know who the household is of of the Dream Center? Church, I must challenge you before God this morning. You must know. You must know who this household is. I didn't say remember everybody's name because that not everybody would can be considered as a household. Why? Because some people you never see them for like door. Not that you don't your heart's not open to them. It's just that some people, you know, if, if I never saw if I never saw, say, my kids from for years and years and years, you can see that our hearts have moved away. Moved away. I'm not talking about distance now, I'm talking about communication. Because Distance is not a reason not to communicate today. That's, we've got a great opportunity today with FaceTime and things like that. So we can do that. But there are some people who come to church once in a blue moon. Well, they, can't be, they literally can't be called the household of God. They're somewhere off. They're off doing something else. But you must know who you consider is the household. So when we're talking about fighting, going to the wall and fighting for the family... We need to know who the household is. Amen? So you think, if you were to pray for this lot. So Paul says, who I bow my knee and I remember you all. If you were to pray for this family, this household, who are you praying for tomorrow? Come on. So in our church, we have exceptional people with exceptional grace, with exceptional talents. And you all said, but do you know who they are? They are the people that we should pray for. They're the families that we need to go to the wall for. Don't send our families to the wall, but go with the family to the wall. Do you understand what I mean by that comment? Don't let the family go to the dogs. But take the family by the hand and intercede with families for those families and for this household. Because that's what they need. Amen? Hopefully I've described to you behind the scenes what a family looks like. You'll never read these guys again in that light. Now you know who these people are. These are commended. These are outstanding. These are unique people. And this is not just your ordinary family. This is an outstanding body of people that God commends. 
Yeah, this has been an insightful tour this morning behind the fa- who the family of God is. Do you feel encouraged by it? You should do because these people work for you. They all work for you so that we could inherit what they labored for. So it's our turn to labor for the, with the families so that others can come in and they'll talk and hopefully one day someone will stand here and they'll say, you remember this family? And we commend the people of the Dream Center, you know, who stood and labored, the Higginsons, the Clarks, and, and then they go on and on and on. And your name's mentioned. And the Mary... She worked hard for us, remember? And the woman, the, those women who used to come and treat us as if we were like, oh, I saw the way these women used to come and treat me, treat me family as if they were like this. And the kids have mentioned them and seen it. And now they're standing behind his pulpit in years to come. And now they're commending you. You've already gone home. You've gone home before the Lord. But they're commending you in front of the next generation. Why? Because they saw something. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We will, please. There's a lot more guys in here I plan to talk to you about. There's a lot more guys we just gloss over. But hopefully I've set the scene. This is the kind of family we're building. This is the kind of family that we're going to labor to, to raise. Amen? Hard workers. People who, who, who will join the fight. People who are willing to go to prison. I'm hoping I don't have to go to prison. But, you know, if I'm going to prison, who's going to, who's going to visit me? Yeah? Seriously. Who's, these are the questions that as you start to, to build a church and, and you start getting the church out and the people out, all kinds of flack hits you. And uh, there's things that we've never, we've never noticed or even thought about. But these guys are behind the scene making it work. So, do I have any uh, Philoguses here this morning? Do we have any Julia, Neruses? Do we have any Asyncris, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes? Do we have any Rufuses? Do we have any Trophina, Trophosa, Perses? Do I have any Herodians? Do we have any Aphiles, Aristobulus, Urbanus, Starchy? Amphilitis, Andronicus, Junus, Mary, Ephenetus, Priscilla and Aquila. Do I have any of those in here this morning? Do you know who they are? Well, I commend you by the mercies of God to go and let them know that you know who they are. Amen? So let's just raise our hands if we will this morning. Now ask yourself, where am I in the household of God? I know I'm in God's household. I'm part of God's household. But on earth we need a household. And just ask yourself, Father, you need to do some work in my heart. You need to bring, it's got to be, I'm seeing this morning, Lord, it's less about me. It's about others. It's about the work that the others are joining in. The partnership, the co-laboring that others have partnered in. Father, and maybe you might be able to say this before the Lord this morning, but Lord, I've been selfish. I've been thinking about myself, thinking about my own situation, and I've not really partnered with the true family of God. Maybe you've spent time with the wrong kind of people, the good friends, but they're not your fellow workers. They don't ultimately 
want what you want and are going where you're ultimately going, but the, you know you consider them as good good friends. You've known them years. That's that's okay, but you've got to notice they're not going where you're going. You've got to acknowledge that and say, Lord, either change them, do something in their hearts. I need a fellow worker, not just a good friend I can laugh with. And maybe you've been a wee bit selfish and you've got to say, Lord, forgive me. This morning, Lord, you've shown me what the household of God looks like. What the qualities look like. Who the people are. So, Father, this morning, I come before you, Lord, and I ask you, Lord, position me to serve, position me to love, position me to help, to be involved, whatever level is available. Help me understand the household of God and to understand that I'm very much part of it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.